pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we just ask today that you guide us into your truth. We thank you for your truth, and we thank you. It's knowing the truth that sets us free. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk in Romans 5 today, Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk about the five much mores. Now, I want to read them to you. I want you to write them down. If you have a pen, write these five much mores. You know, it's just amazing how much more Christ has done for us than what Adam did. Just get a hold of that word, much more. The first one is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than, much more than, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Well, I'm just going to give them to you first. I have a tendency to want to preach right now, but I can't. I'm going to put it off. The second one is verse 10. For if, we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, and remember that word reconciled is exchanged. While we were enemies, we were exchanged to God by the death of his son. Much more. There you go. Say much more. Being exchanged, we shall be saved by his life. All right, then we go to the third one, verse 15. And not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, which was Adam, many be dead, much more. The grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And number four, verse 17. And if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And number five, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Much more. What does that mean? Superabundant. There's not even a comparison between what Adam did and what Christ has done. See, I want us to see something That first one, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Whose wrath is it? You know, one day I was in the coffee shop, and and this word came to me. He saved us from himself and to himself. We're saved not only from him, but to him. He did both ends. You know, it just, it just blows you away when you see what he's done. You know, two or three weeks ago, <clears throat> Brother Wayne Nippon and I was having pizza. We try to do that once a week and talk. And he was sharing with me something God had put on his heart about, he was out, out of Luke chapter 5. And I want you to look with, with me there to Luke chapter 5. And last night I was thinking about what he said, and this, this whole thing just kind of opened up, so I, I may get sidetracked here just a second. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It came to pass as the people pressed upon to hear the word of God, he stood at the lake Genesaret, and he saw two ships standing at the lake. But the fishermen was going out of them and washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which is Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. While I'm here, I just want to hit that. You see your word nets, N-E-T-S, nets? 
Do you have a nets in your Bible? Hold your hand up if you have a net. Nets. All right, that's important. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. What he's saying is, I'm not going to let down all the nets. I'm just going to let down one net to show you you're wrong. Okay? That's important. Now, why is that? And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and the net broke. Do you think if he had let down the nets, as Jesus told him to let down the nets, that they'd have broke? No way. But he was just doing a little. But look what happens as he goes on here. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, and they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished in all that were with him at the drought of fishes that they had taken. And so was James and John. See, this was his partners, the sons of Zebedee, that were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Do you realize they had two boats full of fish and nets and they forsook it all and followed him? And what Wayne said, he said, Jesus blessed Peter so much beyond what he could handle. And because of that, Peter fell down and said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Jesus blessed him while he was a sinner. See, that's the five much more we're going to talk about. See, the goodness of God in And I couldn't help but think about that scripture in Romans chapter 2, and we'll look at that a little bit. It says it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. See, I want you to hear that. It's not hell. It's not trying to stay out of hell or or avoid God's wrath and all that. It's because of God's goodness that leads us to repentance. Now let's go back. Romans chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Therefore, being justified, verse 1, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, by whom also we have access to this grace, faith, and to this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, now I want you to see that. For when we were yet without strength, we had no strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sin, God loved us enough that Christ died for us. Much more then, much more. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, now I want you to see this, see the goodness of God. See, it's not in response to, he does it first. He says in Isaiah 43, he says, I will not remember your sins or your iniquities anymore for my namesake. 
I'm doing this for my namesake. I'm going to forgive you your sins and your iniquities and not remember them for my namesake. And he says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, and remember the word is exchanged to God by the death of his son, much more being exchanged, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement, which in the Greek is that word exchange. Remember that? Through him we have received exchange, the old for the new. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, but has canceled them through Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. That's called the great exchange. While we were there in sin, God exchanged us for Christ. Christ took our sin so we could have his righteousness. That's the goodness of God. And you know, as I got to thinking about that word goodness, I started thinking about other stories and even in the Bible. You know, in Exodus eighteen nineteen, when Moses told his father-in-law Jethro all that God had done for the children of Israel, this is the first word this word is used. Exodus 18, 9. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness God had done for Israel. He rejoiced for what? The goodness that God had done. You remember in Exodus 33, 18 and 19, remember Moses said to God, he says, show me your glory. And God said this to Moses. He says what? I will make my goodness pass before you. So what is God's glory? It's his goodness. I will make my goodness to pass before you. And you know, when, when uh, it happened in, Ezekiel, in Exodus 34, 6, can you pull that up? <clears throat> I don't have it here, but... All right. And then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundance in goodness and truth. That's who God is. God is good all the time. See, it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. It's not our sins and our iniquities that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness. You know, there's scripture, and I think it's in 2 Timothy uh, 2, about 19. It says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If peradventure God will grant them or give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who have been taken by him captive at his will. See, God grants us repentance. He gives us repentance. You can't even repent unless he give it to you. Say amen. You say, I repented. No, no. He gives you the gift of repentance when you acknowledge the truth of your situation so that you can recover yourself out of the snare of the devil. And you see that, that God is good. Psalms 21, let's see, let me go to Psalms 21. I want to read a few of these Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 21. You know some of them, but I want to start with Psalms 21. The king shall joy in your strength, O Lord. 
In your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withheld the request of his lips. For thou preventest him with the blessing of goodness. You preventest him with the blessing of goodness. Thou set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and you gave it to him, even length of days forever and ever. His glory is, this, is thy salvation and honor and majesty. Psalms 23 says, Surely what goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my life. Psalms 27, verse 13. Says I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Is that good? <clears throat> Psalms thirty one nineteen says, Oh how great is thy goodness which you have laid up for them that fear you. You know, there's so many of the scriptures, you can look them up. We'll talk about this a little more. That wasn't my message. But you know, I thought about Jonah. You remember when Jonah, God sent Jonah to Nineveh to warn the city that he was going to destroy it. And Nineveh was one of the enemies of Israel. They were in constant battle, and Jonah hated Nineveh. And when God told him to go preach to that city, he ran the other way because he wanted God to destroy the city. He didn't want the city to repent. So when God finally got him straightened up and sent him through Nineveh and he preached three days through the city. And then it says he went up on the mountain and sat down to see what God was going to do to it. And then when God, the people repented and the king repented and everybody fasted and God changed his mind and made Jonah mad. And when God came to Jonah, you see the goodness of God leads you to the repentance. But what did Jonah say? He said, God, I knew you'd change your mind because you're good. You're long-suffering. You're merciful. And I knew you wouldn't do what you said you're going to do to him. And it made him mad. See, and these were enemies of, of Israel that God spared. See, it is the goodness of God that, that we're all here today. You know, I'm found of them that sought not after me. We didn't even seek after him. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, no, not one. You know, if we got saved, it wasn't our idea. It was his. It's his goodness. Matter of fact, Scripture says from the foundation of the world, we were saved through him. He chose us before the foundation of the world. We read it this morning, 1 Timothy, I think, 1.9. If God saved you, Timothy, he called you. And not with a calling that you want, but the calling that God had for you, that he purposed for you before the foundation of the world. God knew you from the foundation of the world and his goodness has been given to us. There's so much more to this. And, you know, I want to look at that Romans 2. You know, Steve talked a little about it a while ago. What is Romans 2 about? Not judging. It says, verse 1 says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, who you are that judge another. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. 
And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and do thou the same things that you shall escape the judgment of God? Now listen to verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Now meditate on this. Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise the forbearance of his goodness? The, the riches of his forbearance? Do you despise the riches of his long suffering? Knowing, not knowing that it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. But after the hardness and impenitent heart treasures up wrath against the day of wrath of revelation and righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to their deeds. The riches of his goodness. You know, we haven't even begun to touch the depths of his goodness towards us. We're just beginning to see it's by grace we've been saved, not of ourselves, not of works, lest we should boast. See, God has laid up so much for us in his goodness. How many of you know that God is love? And he's, God never changes. We read a lot of stories about the wrath that's come from God. But you know what the scripture says? God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked repent. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. He wants us all sanctified and set apart. And he's done everything he can to help us do that. That's why these five much mores are so important here, to understand that. Romans 5, verse 6 says, For when we were out strength and do time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, in Colossians it says this, before we were saved, we were attached. Uh, this is kind of a picture I saw. You know, before we were saved, we basically were attached to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? That's where we come from. That was the fall. But when we got saved, that tree limb was cut off from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that tree died to the knowledge of good and evil. And the scripture says in Romans that we've been grafted in, right? We were a wild olive tree over here. But we've been grafted into the tree of life, which is Christ. Now we're, we're attached to the tree of life. And who is the tree of life? Jesus is. And you remember what he said in Romans? Don't be high-minded. If God spared not the natural branches, don't be high-minded. He'll spare not you. Amen? And then what does it say? Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Goodness towards you if you continue in his goodness. See, well, he's given us his goodness to continue in his goodness. You know what it says in James? He says, with the merciful, he will show himself merciful. But with the forward, he will show himself forward. You want mercy? You give mercy. Amen? You want to judge? You'll be judged. That's, that's his law there. He will show mercy. It says in one scripture, he says, he will have judgment without mercy upon him that shows no mercy. But mercy rejoices against judgment. What does mercy do when you show mercy? It rejoices against the judgment because it takes the judgment away. Remember, with the merciful, he will show himself merciful. So what is it? We've been made in his image to be merciful to those. You know, that's what he did. He cut away that old man 
so he could attach us. You remember in, in Colossians chapter 2, I think it's in the Amplified is what I really like, but I think I wrote it down. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 in Amplified. In Christ also, we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. See, we talked about this in the coffee shop today. Not only did he, that the old man was crucified with him, but in baptism, he cut away every bit of that old carnal flesh. Because it says so right here. By spiritual circumcision performed by Christ, by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. Verse 18, thus were you circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism, in which you also was raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised him from the dead. You know, we cannot separate our sin from Christ's death on the cross. Neither can we separate our life from his resurrection. If we've been buried with him, we've been raised with him to walk in that new life. This life is not a changed life. It's an exchange life. He gave his life so we could have his life. It's been exchanged. Just get that through your thinking. We talked a lot about stuff this morning in the coffee shop. But I believe as, as, as we go on and know what the truth says, not what we feel or what we think, we are laying a foundation to build the kingdom of God on. And then we are laying a foundation that we can begin to fully understand the fullness of all we received in Christ. As sons and daughters, and we'll walk in his kingdom. This life, remember we preached a few weeks ago, this life, I live now, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember one week we preached on living by the life of another. See, our life is dead. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this. says, if one died for all, then all died. And if we all died, then we should no longer live our lives for ourselves, but for him that died and rose again. Therefore, we know no man after the flesh anymore. Though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforward no more. If any man is in Christ, he is a new, brand new creation. The old man is gone, and the new man has come. Amen? Exchange. We've been exchanged. And so, we see that. We live not our life anymore, but we're living by the life of the Son of God who loved us. Not only that, we're living by the faith of the Son of God. To every man is given a measure of what? Faith. You don't have to have your own faith. He gives you your faith. We live by the faith of another, not our own. Quit trying to work up your own faith. We live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So it pretty well takes us out of the picture, doesn't it? But it raises up in us into a brand new creation, a new family. He was the first fruits of many other sons and daughters that he's going to glorify here. It's already done. That's what this Christianity thing is all about. What kind of life is it? It's a resurrected life. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 
Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened. What does that word quickened mean? Made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now I want you to remind me come Sunday night next week. God would laid something on me. He said, I want you to look at all the spirits of things that's in the world. The spirit of disobedience. See, a lot of times we cast out spirits of other things. But he's real clear on several. The spirit of bondage. The spirit of disobedience. And that word is unbelief. See, well, we want to major in on some of these spirits that's causing us not to see what we ought to be seeing. Are you with me? A deaf and dumb spirit. Blinding spirit. All these spirits are in this world to keep us from seeing the revelation that God has given to us. Because the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine. It says, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And that word is unbelief. The children that don't believe. Among whom we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of the flesh. That's the disease condition of your old soul, your old mind, your old will, and your old emotion. For fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature the children of wrath as others. And you were, is that what it says? Were. But God. Say but God. He didn't leave us there. Even when we were there, he did something about it so we wouldn't have to be there. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love when he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and raised us up and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness, his goodness towards us through Christ. That's incredible. If we could just hear what that scripture is saying than what he's done for us already. He's done everything to make everything for us available. And he says, here, take it. First John 2, 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now what that is, is that old man. For all that's in the world, let's clarify what that is. What is the world? It's this prince of the power of of air that works in the children of disobedience. What is that? All that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. Now through our union in death and resurrection, we have received a new mind, his mind. What mind do we have? His mind. The natural mind is not subject to God, and neither can it be. That's where the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come from, through the natural, old, soulish mind. It is rooted in the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's not subject to God, and never will it be. But we have a new one, his mind. He has given us a new mind. And it's a reigning life. He's given us not only a, a, a change, exchange life, but he's given us a reign in life. How many of you know he wants us to reign? Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
and made us and raised us up together, made us sit in heavenly places. Where is that? That's a place of authority. Where are you seated right now? You're seated with him in heavenly places. Why? Because we're in him. Colossians 3, 1 said, Since you've been risen, or if you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, for you're dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. When he comes back, we're coming back to get the rest of us. Amen? That's good, ain't it? It's a reigning life. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places? What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us? Did Jesus say, Some power has been given to me in heaven and earth? What did he say? All power? All power? Did he say, I give you power over all the works of the enemy? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Did he say, I've given you power over some of it? I've given you power and authority over every bit of it. Because it's all been given to me and my Father, and I give it to you. And he says, far above all principalities, power, might, dominion, and every name, and had put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's us, which is body, the fullness of all that fills all in all. You know, that's why Paul prayed. From the day I heard, first heard that you were born again, I ceased not to pray for you day and night that the God of all grace would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the what? The working of his mighty power in us. That we would just learn who we are, our identity, see who we are. Romans 5.17. Now catch this. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more. Now I'm going to stop right there. Did you know something? Because of what Adam did, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short because of what Adam did. You know there's not a, a, a good person in this whole world because of what Adam did by birth. Because it says, because of one man's offense, death came upon all men for all that. Much more. Catch the much more. How much more potential is there in what Christ did than what Adam did? Do we limit the Holy One of Israel? Maybe just a little. When that says in 5.17, for by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Much more should Christ's life be manifest through our body than Adam's life manifested through our body in a greater proportion. I think a lot of it's what Janet talked last week. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit has given us all things that we could possibly ever need. There's just one problem. We've got to receive it. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. Sons of God, not sinners just saved by grace. I don't fly around here. That's who you were. That's not who you are. You've been raised to walk in the newness of life. For by the offense of one, judgment came on all 
By the righteousness of one, justification of life came upon all. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And not only that, you know, I just want to say something here. I understand how these people get off in left field. Do you know what they're really saying here on this verse? Because of what Adam did, all men became sinners. Because of what Jesus did, there are no more sinners. We're all saved. We're all going to heaven. It's all taken care of. Now, if you just read that at face value, that's true. That's how they've got off in error. Because of what Jesus did, he took us all to heaven. We don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. That's being taught. And maybe you know that's being taught on a greater scale. But see, God made provision that none should perish. But there's one little key to the word there. You've got to receive him. Amen? You don't have to receive Adam to be there. He was born that way. But you've got to receive a new birth. Jesus said, except you be born from above, you cannot even see the kingdom. And the last is a creative life, a life lived out. That's when the one first Timothy one night. He saved us. He called us with a calling, not according to what we want, but according to what he purposed for us, for the foundation of the world. We talked about it this morning. It's not in my notes, but Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. You know, he says, God has set eternity in the heart of every single man, a divinely implanted sense of purpose that nothing other the sun, under the sun, other than God can fulfill. Every single person, saved, lost, it doesn't matter. Every person that's ever born into this world is born with a divine sense of purpose that God placed there. And, and you're seeking after it. And the only way you're going to find this fulfillment is in Christ. And where there is no redemptive revelation, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no redemptive revelation that people perish. See, that thing he put in us is that redemptive revelation of what Christ has done to set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. that good? We talked about this morning. Paul said in Romans 11, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. See, the gifts are important to establish you. That's what Janet was talking about last week. He said, I long to see you that I may lay hands on you and impart to you some spiritual gift so you can begin to find that place where God has set you in the body. The Holy Spirit wants to set you as members in the body of Christ where he wants you, so you can function. But Philippians 3, Paul said in verse 12, Not that I have already attained, either are already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, say that, for which I was apprehended of Christ. I do not count myself as apprehended, but I'm pressing on after it so that I can find that. Say, find that. Every one of us have a that. And Paul found that because you know what he said? I finished that. I finished it. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me and not for me only, but for all those that love his appearing. And I want to tell you something. 
Until you get into new man, you're not going to love his appearing. The only ones that can love his appearing is those that are exchanged. Because those are the ones that know you're there because he put you there. And you're thankful and you're grateful for what he's done in your life. And you're looking for that glorious appearing of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, Justin brought it up. I want you to all close your eyes right now. You know, if, if you're here, and you used to die right this very minute. I remember December 31st, 1970 at 9.30 p.m., a brother I went to, to uh, school with asked me, if you die right now, do you know if you go to heaven? And I had to say, no, I don't know for sure. If you don't know if you died right now, you go to heaven. I want to just lead you in a prayer. If you don't know for sure, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. This is not something that you can just turn away lightly. You need to know that you're born again. Anyone here that doesn't know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven. If that's you, raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. I'll just lead you in a prayer. Anybody here? Anybody? So we all die, we all go to heaven. Hallelujah. That's the goodness of God. Aren't you glad we don't get what we deserve? Amen. If that's true, why are we always trying to work to get something better when we got the best? Hmm? Amen. Okay. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask you to help our eyes to see. Help us spend a little time in Romans 5 to see the much more as you've already paid for. God, I just thank you that you, you've already, your goodness is so overwhelming that that we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places and we still don't have a clue what, that all, what that's all about. And I ask you, Lord, to help us to grow into knowledge and, and grow in your grace and understanding so that we can be full-grown sons and daughters of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation of whom we shine as lights in the world. Amen. Okay, let's do it. She said there's some people here that doesn't know for sure, but they're too embarrassed. They're too embarrassed to do this. So, how many of you think it'd be all right if we all prayed this prayer? Huh? All right. Oh, yeah. We don't want... God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should find eternal life. So repeat with me. Dear Lord Jesus... I know that you love me. That's why I'm here today. I'm not sure if I died right now. I'd go to heaven. But I want to know that. And I know because of what Adam did, I became a sinner. But I also know today that what you've done, I can be a son. I can be a daughter. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of that sin. I receive you right now as my Savior and my Lord for my spirit, my soul, and my body. And I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me Spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen, amen, you're dismissed.